On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we are discussing Stefan Gilmore's contract situation, Nikhil Harry apparently wanting his way out of town, and we're going to be doing a draft of the best free agent signings in Patriots history. It's a heck of a show, so buckle up and cue the music. Receivers two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands he has. Pass. Wilson, quick throw, and it's intercepted. He intercepted it. Malcolm Butler. Butler has it at the one. Malcolm Butler stepping in front of the throw, and the Patriots have possession with 20 seconds to go. Gentlemen, we are back. Took a week off last week. I was in New York City, uh, but we are back and ready to go. Only a few weeks away from training camp, and uh, things are starting to get real around here. Two weeks. Two weeks away. It's crazy. Um, you couldn't tell from the weather around here, but it's actually summertime, and it's kind of dwindling. Usually when training camp happens, it means summer's just about over, and it feels like we haven't had a summer um, because no, it's been so rainy. I'm being wicked negative to start, but the rain is completely it's ruined my mood it's the freaking last awful it's been april 23rd for like three months straight just <laughs> legit yeah just end of spring no constantly. i'm i'm coaching my girls softball team and we've had like three games rained out we've had two practices rained out it's just like it's ridiculous dude and then the games where it's not rained out it's like 95 degrees and it's like well just like give me something in between give me an 85 degree day that's sunny it's all we're asking or nothing you right take what you can get i guess i'll take that over over what we've had you know so uh, I'm going to start off with the story. Keegan, you were asking about uh, I played some college football. And now I'm yeah. not the, co- the college athlete in the room here is Spags. OK, Spags actually played college sports. Uh, but I did play uh, college football for a year. Uh, I am in the NCAA record book. Just just saying that I'm, I have a statistic in the NCAA record book. But the statistic behind it is fantastic. So we the, the story behind the statistic is, is great. The second game of the season, I believe, we played CW Post. CW Post is in New York, for those of you that don't, that don't know. And uh, they were, like, really good. Like, really good. Like, I was probably, I was playing D-Tackle, but I was probably, like, 215. You know, 5'11", like, 210. I mean, I was, like, pff, It's I me. Not good. Me. Yeah. yeah, not, no, not good. And slow. And not very strong. So, you know, I mean, I didn't have much going for me. So, um, so we're, so we're playing Post. Now, Post has... It their offensive line across is 350, 330, 310, 330, 350. I mean, it's stupid. Like their their line was massive. So, and they also have a running back who got a cup had a cup of coffee, had a cup of coffee in the NFL, uh, but he was like five seven. Like, but he he broke Ron Dane's uh rushing TD record. So, anyways, um, so we're playing and we're getting blown out. I mean, just absolutely murdered. And it's the fourth, it's the fourth quarter, and they're like, Lane, get in there. And I'm like, all right, I'm go running in. And I just literally just fired off as hard as I could every play. It got driven back 15 yards and thrown on my ass on every single play because it's like the guy's 110 pounds bigger than me and strong. And so one of the plays, I get driven back, thrown on the ground, and the running back happens to get tackled 
on top of me, and I'm the first guy up. And so they're like, oh, on the on the tackle, number 96, Pat Lane. And I'm like, me? Love that was it. me. I made the tackle. Hey, there, there we go. All right. So <laughs> then you hung him up. So, dude, so we're on the bus ride home, and I'm sitting next to a senior linebacker. Never plays. Kid never plays. He's like a you know reserve linebacker, and I'm telling him the story. And he's like, bro, you're 96? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, I made that fucking tackle, dude. That's the only tackle. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. Like, I, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> so, yeah. And then he, he quit the team like two or three weeks later. So, oh, so yeah, that was, uh, that was that was my fault. My bad, I mean, dude. I don't want to, I don't want to like trade bad athlete <laughs> stories, but that you reminded me. My only career sack in high school. I played defensive line because I was too slow to play linebacker. I was playing like nine technique, which means like what, all the way. Pat, it was first Pat Mahomes too. Is this where it's going? I was. I so this was actually the uh, the team that Caden Stearns was on. The kid that just got drafted by the Broncos. Okay. This is that team, but I'm playing like nine technique all the way out, basically by the wide receivers. <laughs> it was like third and twenty, so I'm just rushing, and I I come off the ball. The ball gets snapped over the quarterback's head like thirty yards. So I'm chasing down the ball. I beeline to it and I go to dive on it dive right over the ball and then the quarterback grabs the ball and falls down right next to me and I touch him and I get credit for like a 27 yard sack but it's only because I had a beeline to the football and could have just scooped it and ran it in for a touchdown and uh, so that whole week every day we ran fumble drills for like a half hour and it was my fault so you just reminded me of that story I I don't want this to be that's great bum athlete hour but that's good stuff well, listen, that's a great transition. Speaking of bum athletes, let's go. Let's talk about Nikhil Harry. Uh, Nikhil, <laughs> Nikhil Harry has done nothing since he's been here. Um, you know, and listen, we were we're trying to we're trying to put a positive spin first year. Hey, you know, missed the first eight weeks and they're trying to get him involved and this and that, blah, blah, blah and everything else. But like they're just not his skill set doesn't work here. I think it's obvious that his skill set doesn't work here. And I, I will say, I do think part of the blame has to go on the Patriots here because you knew what he was coming out of school. Like, you knew he was a very limited receiver. He's not explosive. He didn't separate in college in the Pac-12, and their corners stink. So it's like, you know, if you can't separate there, you're sure as hell not going to be able to separate in the NFL, but he is a good contested catch guy in an offense where he's not going to get any opportunities to catch any contested catches. It's like, wh- why the hell are you drafting that guy in that spot? It didn't, the pick never made any sense. The player never really produced. I still go back to last year during training camp when he's taken a knee behind, like behind the, the, the pole or something like that. Cause he couldn't keep up. It's like, dude, what are you doing, man? What have you been doing? So uh, not a great look all, all around. I don't know if he actually gets traded, but like, I mean, change of senior might be best for everyone involved. Yeah, I mean, ju- just before we get fully into it, I want to read the statement because there's something in the statement that just really, like, drives home how ridiculous this whole experiment has been. So this is from Jamal Tucson. He's the uh, the agent who represents Nikhil Harry. He said, for the past several months, I have been working in cooperation with the Patriots behind the scenes to put a plan in place to allow Nikhil to thrive in New England. Through two seasons, he has 86 targets, which obviously hasn't met the expectations the Patriots and Nikhil had when they drafted a dominant downfield threat who was virtually unstoppable at the point of attack in college. 
Following numerous conversations with the Patriots, I believe it's time for a fresh start and best for both parties if Nikhil moves on before the start of training camp. That is why I've informed the Patriots today that I am formally requesting a trade on behalf of my client. The rest of it doesn't matter. Oh, a dominant downfield threat who was virtually unstoppable at the point of attack in college is just straight up not true. He was good. His like he was, fine. was him just taking punt returns and end arounds and that's and exactly screens. what I'm talking about. You know, if like, you look at you look at those videos that guys put together of just like touchdown highlights of college players, you know, like every Nikhil Harry touchdown in college, it's like four punt returns like six screens that he just catches a screen and just runs over the DBs because Pac-12 DBs are just track stars. That's yeah. all they are. They've never actually been cornerbacks. It's just guys who run track at high school and the USC, you know, recruiting coordinators like, oh, that guy's fast. Let's take him, you know? So I think, I think the biggest problem with the past, with the past year, because his rookie year, I completely throw out. It was a shit show from the beginning, got hurt, Brady never wanted anything to do with him because he knew it was his last year and he wasn't going to spend the time on trying to get this guy caught up to speed. So the the biggest problem in in his second year was nobody knows what this guy is. The Patriots don't know what he is because they're not putting him in in a position to succeed. And him and his agent don't know who he is because they just said he was a dominant downfield threat who was unstoppable at the point of attack in college when – he had some success doing that, but his his success was completely different. You know, the production production wise had nothing to do with that. So, just as a whole, the biggest problem with Nikhil Harry in New England is no one knows what the hell to do with this guy. They haven't. And I think since too, day one. like like you said, giving him the benefit of the doubt, kind of backtracking a year ago when we were talking about him and, and kind of talking about, you know, year two breakout guys, I thought he'd be a perfect situation for that. Considering the reasons you had said, missed the first eight weeks, Brady knew he was done. It was clear. He, he talked about it. They knew about it in, in that book that he knew it was his last year before week one. Um, and you're right. They weren't going to, you know, spend the time to get him up to speed. And he just, it, at the time when he got active, it just, it was too late for him. And then you factor in, you know, COVID and another quarterback situation where, let's face it, they, he's terrible throwing the football. It's someone that, you know, Nikhil necessarily wouldn't thrive with. But then you're like, oh, Cam Newton had a ton of success with Calvin Benjamin and Greg Olson and, and bigger guys that can make plays on the ball. Never really gave him a chance to do it. Never really put himself in that situation. So I think it's a little bit of both. But I think for him, just the timing of this is, is super interesting. It's It was three weeks before camp. He's likely home around his family, his agent, right? They're, you know, kind of thinking a lot Arizona. more than you would. Yeah, you 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 start hearing from people like, hey, you got to get out of there and, and find a new situation. So I think even before the draft, when this kind of came up in March, everybody, even including the Patriots and I'm sure Nikhil Harry's side, thought, hey, uh, uh, a change of scenery is probably best for both. The problem is you just wasted a, a first-round pick in a draft that was generational for wide receivers, and you didn't get anything out of it. Um, so I think it's a little bit on both. I, th- I think it's for Harry, it speaks wonders about him. And obviously we don't know the whole story, so I don't want to speculate too much, but he had an opportunity. I mean, and, and Greg Bedard talked, talked about it. Um, aside from Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers, there's really a, a free for all for that wide receiver one spot and people who are going to demand the most targets, especially when you have James White and the two tight ends. So he could have went into camp or even mini camp and had a, you know, a stronger impression. Hey, this is my first full year as a pro. 
COVID last year, the year before that, you had the draft and you were hurt. This was his first full year where he was a professional athlete, knew the situation he was going to be in. And he, and he, and he, you know, tailored out towards the end of the summer, right before training camp. It just says a lot about his character and, and when willing, not willing to fight for his job. I think if he had a strong mini camp or even a so-so when he goes into training camp and lights it up, you'd have people like, okay, this is it. You can, you can at least defend him saying the first two years were kind of a wash given the situations. Now he wants out. I don't blame him, but it's a little interesting to me. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what kind of where I wanted to go after what you were saying was he had such a good opportunity coming into this year. And this is such bad timing because unfortunately none of us were at minicamp. We didn't see what he did at minicamp, but this year coming into if you, if you look at the the type of wide receiver that they probably want to to get the share of reps in this offense, they got a ton of they've got two tight ends who who can both you know move and and stretch the field a little bit. Like they they can work. They're not they're not just guys who are going to run up the seam. They've got multiple running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield. So what do you want at wide receiver? A big possession guy probably who once you get down in the red zone you beef up and you, and you've got a bunch of big bodies to throw the football to. That's such a good spot for him, and it's not what you want out of her, of of a first round receiver. But you're coming into this year and it's starting to look like you know if you asked me two weeks ago, what, what do you think about Nikhil Harry having a role in the red zone and, and kind of being that big body receiver where they can force him the ball a little bit? I would have been kind of ex- excited about it and been like, wow, they they're actually going to be able to get some production out of this guy because in the the back half of 2019, what did he do catching those touchdowns back shoulder ball in the end zone against the Cowboys, the Cincinnati touchdown on the scramble drill in the back of the end zone where he out muscled somebody, the Kansas city should have been a touchdown. He caught the ball on a crosser and, and ran over some dude and then didn't step out of bounds. But you know what I'm saying? Like this is a perfect situation for him, especially in the offense that they're going to be running. At the same time, too, though, like the writing's on the wall. You spent huge money for two tight ends. You went out and got Aguilar. I mean, they gave him, what, $11 million guaranteed? He's probably the, the yep. wide receiver one. I think somebody that's going to be a, 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 you know, an underrated star coming into the season. And then Kendrick Bourne, too. And then obviously, no, everybody knows about Jacob Myers now. Right. So at the same time, yeah, he could have carved out a little role. But for someone like him who's a first round pick trying to prove himself, he's trying to get another deal. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, In two it, years, he, he's not going to do that here. But this is the issue. The issue is, is that, you know, you're trying to spin it as this. He's he's this great player. But like, I'm yeah, he, I'm just playing devil's advocate yeah, from his no, side, too. I understand. Know? I mean, listen, for him, he's got to go somewhere else because he's already been passed on the roster by Jacoby Myers. He's obviously yeah. going to be passing the roster by by Aguilar. You got to assume Kendrick Bourne's going to come in and pass him, too. It, who's next? Is Gunner going to pass him? Right. Is um is is Trey Nixon going to pass him like who like you know so that's the stuff that's the stuff where it's like okay at, at some point the kid's going to play right and and, and, and money yeah. money wise too Gunner's making league minimum Jacoby's right. making right close to league minimum and Trey Nixon too like it just right. makes sense money wise for the Patriots to cut his ass well and this is and the thing with me is that you know I felt like I felt like the team did him wrong in the fact that they you know I don't know what the hell they were thinking like if you have this guy, you should – I mean, we saw a little bit of it in the Rams game and a little bit of it in the Chargers game, right? He he just – like, he's, he's, a, he's a point of attack guy. He's a big-bodied guy where you have to throw him the ball and let him try to win those, those 50-50 balls. That's what he does. He doesn't do anything else. He does nothing else. 
And he didn't do anything else in college either. Like it's it's not like you knew what you were getting out of him. And it's like to I don't understand. I, I think the Patriots have a fantastic scouting department. I think the Patriots figure things out and and see things in guys that a lot of people don't see. I don't know how anybody in the world could have looked at him and AJ Brown and thought that he was better than AJ Brown. I just don't I don't understand how that's possible. I just don't. I I, I don't yeah. see because I mean when you look at his body that he though, does, if you if you look at Nikhil's body that, that's that's a that's an NFL wide receiver. He just can't put it together. He has no you know what yeah, I mean? Like so, they probably What I'm saying is so is an AJ Brown and he's faster. 100%. Yeah. You know what I mean? Saying, like, you you can I'm look saying. at Nikhil and say we can get this guy in our building and and we can like Right. I'm not justifying the pick. It was a horrible no, pick at the time. I, I, was yeah. a I get what you're but, saying. I get what you're saying. I'm just saying you got two guys that look the same. One guy's faster than the other guy. It's they like played well, in the SEC. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, but but it is what I it mean, is. Yeah. But, but before we move on, I think to kind of wrap it up a little bit, what the Patriots probably thought they could do was take this guy who looked like a man amongst boys in the in the Pac-10 or whatever it is, Pac-12 now. He he looked like such a great athlete and so dominant on those screens and, and the punt returns and everything. I think they thought they could get him in here and he could kind of eat off of that athleticism alone and then they can work him in. And then that athleticism did not translate whatsoever, not even close. Like he's he's just not that – he's not better than anybody else that he's going against, you know, on Sundays. So right. he, he was – he's never been able to progress from what he was in college – because he's been playing every week or he's been hurt. Like, but let's face it last year, they played him way more than he, sh- than he deserved. Like he, he didn't deserve to get as much playing time as he did. And that's exactly my point. They like the intangibles. They like, you know, he's big, he's strong. He's got great hands when he decides he wants to actually try. Like the, he had phenomenal hands in college and it just, it just didn't work out, you know? So, yeah. And, and then they they did that thing where it's not working out. Let's just throw him out there and maybe he'll figure it out once he's on the field. And then that made him look even worse because the confidence goes and even Cam Newton starts to like not want to throw him the football because he's fumbling the ball at the goal line and he's dropping everything. So, yeah, it, I think it's been a shit show since day one. It absolutely has been. It absolutely has been. So uh, you're right, Marv. They do not play D in the Pac-12 as uh, yes, we've. Yeah, they don't. Worst conference in college football. It's brutal. It's brutal. Um, but yeah. So anyway, so let's move on. Let's move on to uh to Stephon Gilmore. I think Gilmore, you know, look, it's obvious that he wants a deal, right? He deserves a deal. He's not playing for seven million dollars. That's stupid, right? So um, but at the same time, you look at it and say, okay, and by the way, just just to because some people um some people were mentioning like what they do with him, whatever. I don't think they trade him right now. They don't. They're not going to be forced to trade him. I think they're probably going to end up cutting him if they have to. But we've seen it before, and someone mentioned it. Studio Jim here mentioned it. You know, something something's happened before that they've done multiple times. Like, hey, we're going to cut this guy. Is there anyone on your roster that we kind of like that you're going to cut to, right? And right. we just swap them out. You know, like it's just. You just make that quick, quick little sway, sw- switch, and then boom, we're done. So, and he's a first round pick, but he was drafted thirty second overall. It's not like you know what I mean. Yeah. So hey, they've, they've got a beautiful opportunity at the end of training camp. They're going to Philadelphia. Right. Just tell him to pack his shit, and you can stay. Like, yep. and we'll take some dude with us. You know, yeah. like talk about a team who has a worse wide receiver core than the Patriots. No it's kidding. Philadelphia, so just leave him there. You know. Right. Right. And it's like him and Devonta Smith can do. You know, 
They have like the the mini guy and the bigger yin guy, and yang. Right? Yeah, <laughs> so, they do. One's good, one stinks. One's big, one's small. It's perfect. Right, exactly. So, anyways, Gilmore, right? Obviously, wants to play. Talk to Justina Anderson, which, by the way, just uh, like her flexes are the best, dude. Where he's she's like Legend. sources, sources. I don't have sources. I just have players that, that text me. No big deal. Um, but you know, texted Josina and was like, Hey, like, you know, I want a new contract. Obviously, you know, I'm not going to play until I get one, but I'm hoping we can work things out here because I'm happy in New England. Like, I've got the quotes what, if you want me to, yeah, you want to read them? Go ahead and read them. I mean, that's that's what we want to hear, you know. So go ahead, yeah. For, from Josina Anderson, I just got off the phone, Patriots cornerback Stephon Gilmore. That's what he had to say. I just want what I'm worth, however, that plays out. Every player should be paid what they're worth. That's just how it is. Um, he's not pushing for a trade. Hopefully we can find some common ground and get it situated. I just know what I bring to the table and my style of play right now. I'm just trying to focus on myself and make sure I'm good mentally and physically, um, $7 million base salary. She said, and then, um, the last thing that she mentioned was on his quad. He told me that he's doing well since off season surgery. I feel stronger than I've ever felt since the surgery. I've been running a lot, building to full speed. He said, we'll see if I'll be a hundred percent for camp. Um, if I need to be, I will, but I don't want to push it. And it basically means if I'm if I'm not there, it's my quad, quad. Yeah, right. But it's really right. I want a, I want a new contract. I, we talked about this a few weeks ago. It's kind of been the in July football talk. At least we have something to talk about. It, nothing's really changed. I mean, obviously he was good. He's not pushing for a trade. I think everybody kind of understood that that he wants to be here, and I'm sure the Patriots want him here. It's just trying to find a common ground. Um, they got to try to get that done before camp. What it looks like, who knows. Um, certainly he's worth more than $7 million a year, uh, what he's making this year. So, um, uh, there's been some certain contract. What was it? The Revis contract was pretty similar to that. What they had some void yep. years. If he wants to get out or in a year and hit the market or, um, you know, I, I, I personally don't know what it takes to get him here, but, um, they're a much better football team with him on the field as we've seen over the last three years, four years. So, um, if he's not out there for camp, I don't think it's the end of the world, um, but it'll start getting interesting as, as the weeks keep going on. If he's not there, they, they don't have a contract. Yeah, the the big thing uh, that I think of just um, – I think Chris Mason wrote it. He wrote a, a nice story about all of the guys who have held out in the Belichick era, um, and, and the one that's kind of most comparable, not just because they play the same position, but the situations that they were in was Asante Samuel. And that, that didn't end – you know, great, but the big thing was he came in in the middle of training camp and he said, all right, here's the deal. I'm going to play on this. I'm going to play on the rest of this deal. At the end of this year, you can either franchise tag me or you got to give me a, a, like a big time extension. It's a little bit different because Gilmore is, you know, up there in age and he's already got that big contract. But at the end of the day, if he doesn't come in and play this year, then that's it's going to roll over to next year. He's going to be one year older. Who knows how the the, the quad's going to hang up? You know, a year not playing football, a thirty four year old. Like the situation is, is he's going to play football this year, and it's going to be for the Patriots. It's just whether or not he's going to play on a new deal and and have a couple extra years added on. This this is my point of view. Have a couple extra years pointed added on, or this is his last year in New England. He's out at the end of the year. You know, it's just a matter of yeah. what gets done before the season starts. Well, I think that that's, I think you're 100% right. Like, it's either going to be, hey, we're going to give you more money this year and then two void years, or it's going to be, we're going to give you more money this year and another one to three years after this, right? Yep. He's going to get an extension. The question is, will the extension be an actual extension or will it be a void extension? And that's, 
That's the only thing I think that that we don't know yet. The problem with Gilmore is that because he's 31, you're not going to get fair value for him. In a trade, he's a top five corner in the NFL, but you're not going to get back what you want to get back. And like realistically, even if you did, what the hell use is that? Right? Like what? Like, yep. okay, you trade him. Now what? Like, why, why are you doing that? You have JC Jackson who is on, you know, is on, is on an RFA this year. So isn't getting paid really anything. So it's like, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Like you let, you kind of let them play out this year and kind of see what happens next year. I think the JC Jackson question is interesting because you know, we don't know. I don't know if they know if he's a number one corner yet. And so like, it's hard to, when you have Stefan Gilmore on the other side, it's a lot easier to play well when you're covering the number twos. You know, and I think JC's been fantastic when he's had to cover the number twos. He had to cover the number ones when Gilmore got hurt and he struggled a little bit. Right. And so, like, then this question about, okay, well, can he be the number one guy? If you let Gilmore walk now, I I guess theoretically you see that with JC off the bat before you got to give him a big con. I don't know. I just think there's no, there is no reality in where you let Gilmore walk and your team is, is even close to as good as it was now. You know, it's just there's yep. nothing you can get back that's going to make you even comparable to where you are. So, you know, to me, it's, it's you know, re-sign them. And then the question is, are they void years? Are they real years? To me, give them two extra years. What the hell? I mean, who cares? So you're giving them, you make it make it $15 million, $15, $16 million. Now he's the top five paid corner in the NFL. He's not getting $20 million. He knows he's not getting Jalen Ramsey money. He knows that, right? But he thinks he's the top five corner in the NFL. You give him top five money. That's all you got to do. Give yep. him $15 million I mean, a year, and that'll be enough, you know? Darius Slay is a contract that's, ex- like, perfectly comparable to exactly what he's looking for, what the Patriots can afford. Like, it's there. It's set in stone. They know what they can do. It's just, why do it right now? Like, they don't need to. There's no right. need to, to to stress about giving this guy a contract right now. Exactly. I Bill knows he doesn't really need to go to training camp. Like, he'll be fine. Come in for a week workout. He'll be ready to go. And... There, there's no hurry to get something done, and I would, I would, I'd be willing to bet that something's going to get got, done on a random Tuesday. You know, we're all gonna wake up and it's gonna be like yeah. a three-year extension. Two of them don't count this year and next year, something like that. So, right, um, a whole lot about nothing, really. Yeah, <laughs> what I think about the, the Stephon Gilmore situation. No, you're probably right. Probably right. And. Speaking of Stefan Gilmore, that's a perfect segue into oh, our yes. final segment um, of the show. Keegan, take it away because that's who I'm taking first pick. So there you go. Yeah. All right. So we've got the uh, the draft is back this week. We're gonna have the uh, the graphic on Friday or Saturday. I haven't decided. I'm trying to like tinker with it and see when we get the most uh, votes because last week was a sham. Um, congratulations to Pat, Ryan, Ryan, and myself for winning. Uh, four-way tie never never before seen in the two weeks that we've done it um so yeah we we had four winners last week we're gonna try to get it so more people gotta, vote just set it set it for like three days give people more time to vote yeah we'll give people mm-hmm. more time um whoever's on the pat's pulpit twitter account like come on guys let's let's start <laughs> pumping these things out so, so people can see this stuff so um this week best free agency signings in patriots history um it doesn't just have to be under the Bill Belichick era. It could be Bill Parcells. Um, what free agency start in 93? 93, yep. Yeah. No undrafted free agents because we did that two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Um, so the order this week is Spags first, Pat second, me third, and then it's a, a snake draft. So we'll come back around and I'll 
um, pick first in the second round. So Spags, take it away, even though you already told me who you want. Yeah, it's Stephon Gilmore. Hopefully he's his uh, better days are ahead of him here. Uh, it's hard to complain about that signing. Maybe the first three or four weeks. It's uh, actually some Twitter gold if anybody could go dig up people's tweets from like the first four yeah. weeks of that season. He's been an absolute shutdown. Um, statistically, analytically, the best cornerback in football. Since he arrived here, I think that is the best free agent signing under Bill Belichick, and in my opinion, Patriots history. Um, maybe back in your day, uh, Pat. I'm joking with you. There might be another one there that's that might be a little bit better. But um, when you talk about, you know, what's he been to two two Super Bowls? That Philadelphia year, obviously, he had the tough first month. He led them there, and then um, the year versus the Rams, and then Defensive Player of the Year. I mean. It, his his legacy speaks for itself. I think that's a that's a slam He's dunk number one. Slam dunk, me. slam dunk number one. He's you know the you know arguably one of the best players at his position, and they don't have anybody else that you can say that about after they signed him, right? And so, yep, uh, you know that's slam dunk number one. I have the number two pick, and like this this like physically hurts because I have like four guys that I really want, but. There is one guy that I absolutely will like cry myself to sleep tonight if I don't get. So I have to take him number two, and that's Rodney Harrison. Rodney yep. comes in in 03, just an absolute, just an absolute savage. Just a savage. I mean, he is, he's one of my favorite players ever. Uh, you know, 30 30 club, 30 picks, 30 interceptions. Uh, just an absolute monster. And, uh, you know, and so good that they cut Lawyer Malloy and still won back-to-back Super Bowls. Those two teams might be two of the best Patriots teams of all time. And he was a massive part of that. And, of course, almost won in 07 as well. But, uh, but nevertheless, Rodney Harrison is my first-round pick. Stupid cheap, too. If I could just add six years, $15 million. Yeah. Get out yeah. of here. Like, that's, uh-huh. that's stupid. $2.5 million well, a year for Rodney Harrison? And so my the draft story is my favorite story ever because uh, the the signing story I'm sorry is my favorite story ever. I'm sure people yeah. have heard of it. I'm sure I they actually just watched that America's Game like last week and it's great. Oh, it's so it shows good. up. Yeah, so good. They bring him to the freaking ground round for God's sakes. The ground round. R.I.P. and Pete. Right, dude. And he so he meets with Belichick and he's like, cancel all my flight, cancel it all. Like this is where I'm. Like figure it out. He just calls his agents. Like figure it out. This is where I'm playing. I don't care. So and he's and uh, Cody's right. He's the best practice player ever, too. He's right about that. Killing kids in practice. All right, Keegan, go ahead. You're going to take, I'm sure, at least one of my guys that I want. I'm sure. But before I go, the only okay. person that's ever made Troy Brown like lose his cool, Rodney Harrison. Used to <laughs> yep. used to cheap shot him at practice every week. Just he'd come <laughs> just across the him. middle. Not today. Just to get him going. Kill him. Yep. Um, third pick. I got to go with my guy, Mike Vrabel. Three-time yeah. Super Bowl champ. The only guy on this list who has three, I believe. Um, 142 games as a Patriot, all pro in 2007, 48 sacks, 11 interceptions, 600 plus tackles and 10 receiving touchdowns. The most efficient tight end in the history of the NFL, uh, 10 catches, 10, 10 touchdowns. Just, he's one of those guys you, you hear it all the time out of Belichick now, but the ultimate Patriot, like there's, there's no one else that could do what Mike Rabel did for the Patriots. The original number 50, he started a legacy just like Ty Law with 24 and Ben Coates with 87 and, and Brewski with 54. Vrabel and and white guys who rushed the passer in 50, you know? So <laughs> Mike Vrabel for me with the third pick. And then I wrap it back around. 
um, with pick number four. And I'm going to go with a controversial one, Wes Welker. Wes Welker. Wrong. You do it. It was a trade. They traded for him. They traded for him. It was like no. a fifth-round pick. Yeah, he was, yes. an, he was an RFA. They traded a second and a seventh-round pick for him. That's they, he was a second-round pick tender, and they threw in an extra seventh to get him from Miami. And they signed him to an extension immediately. That's why. Yep. Yep. That's why. God <laughs> damn. All right. Because I, I thought I'm about Wes. I was like, oh, Wes. I was like, wait a second. And they traded for Wes. You know what? Because I, I looked at a, a list, and he, it was on there, so I just assumed. I was oh, yeah. I was seven. I didn't know. Um, but we can't blame you. You're right. too young to remember those things. It's not your fault. I'm a child. You know what? I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> I'm gonna take a, a a different route. Danny Amendola. Oh, he, okay. It might be a little early, but talk about a guy who everybody thought was a disappointment after a year. Everybody was like, five years, twenty eight million for Danny yeah. after not doing anything in the NFL. Really, like he was okay in St. Louis. Um, was a god awful like third receiver in 2013. Couldn't stay healthy. Dropped everything, and then exploded in 2014. Um. After Edelman, I think he's the best postseason receiver that the Patriots have seen, you know, since the early dynasty. David Gibbons. Um, David Gibbons. Yeah, since the early dynasty, right? Like, he, he's right up there with those guys. I got the stats again. Two-time Super Bowl champ, 287 catches for 3,092 yards and 18 touchdowns. Prolific playoff guy, you know. In 2017, that run that he had with Edelman out, AFC Championship game, two touchdowns, scored in the Super Bowl, scored in both Super Bowls that he was in, or all three Super Bowls he was in. Um, just a, a phenomenal, like, you didn't think he was going to live up to it, and then he exceeded it. And right. one of my favorite things about Amadola signed for five years, $28 million. He only made $13 million while he was here because they kept restructuring his contract. Yeah. They kept just dicking him around. So ultimate team player. And then he yelled at Belichick about it when he signed with uh, the Dolphins. So Amendola with the fourth pick. There you go. Love it. All right. Brings me to the second round. My second pick, fifth overall. And uh, I'm kind of surprised here. Not going to lie to you. Darrell Revis uh, is my pick here. Revis played obviously one year with the Patriots. uh, Pro bowler, all pro, first team all pro as well. Only had two picks, but he completely changed the way they played football in new england in 2014 uh of course browner comes over as well but like revis was the guy he was revis island to the extreme he was unbelievable absolutely phenomenal player um you know just complete lockdown shutdown corner in 2014 and again like i said changed the way the Patriots played defense and they've kind of had that since it's kind of crazy but like you know uh What's his face played played Malcolm Butler played pretty well in twenty four in twenty fourteen and then sixteen as well you know so in twenty fifteen I'm sorry and then sixteen and seventeen obviously uh, Gilmore comes over so like Revis just was so damn good in twenty fourteen it was only one year but he was so good and they don't win that Super Bowl without I mean I think it's pretty obvious they don't win that Super Bowl without him he was the best player in that defense and uh, and so Darrell Revis is my pick there. That you guys just went back to back to back for me. Um, <laughs> but for me, my second pick, uh, that kind of coming back around, I'm gonna go with Nick Rob Ninkovich, a uh, guy who bounced around, um, finally got here in 2009, started every single game from 2011 to 2015. Uh, I believe it was a suspension slash tricep injury that kept him off for the first couple games of 2016. But 
talk about a guy who just got here, what just kind of scrapped his way into the roster and became a, a very important piece, uh, could get after the quarterback and was one of the main um, pieces to that dynasty 2.0. Um, so I'm going to go with Ninkovich. And then, uh, you know, th- this counts. Even though he was drafted here, he did leave and then Son he resigned again. I'm going to go with my guy, Pat Chung. Damn it. You Pat Chung, I think that's a – when you talk about guys who are just – so there's so many guys that in, in, yeah. in the dynasty, all of them, but really dynasty 2.0 that you kind of, I don't want to say forget about, but just had massive, massive roles that you just, they were so good at it and so consistent that you almost just overlooked it. That's Pat Chung, man. I think that guy, the hardest, that guy would come down. He, his role was so tough, took on tight ends, played in the box. Uh, that's why he, you know, he always battled injuries. Uh, that guy's a true Patriot, man. I, I we're really going to miss him this year. I think that's a, that was one of the better signings, getting him back, and I think his career really took off. So I'm going to go Pat Chung for my third pick and Rob Ninkovich for my second pick. Well, what's crazy? I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be so sneaky and take him with the last pick. I was like, oh, I'm going to steal oh, the draft. Was, Pat Chung's my was, guy, man. I was That's taking him. I was taking him next. Um, yeah. Damn. Man, he, oh, he was so good. So good. Uh, and, and talk about an example of, you know, a guy who they didn't, they couldn't really figure out at the beginning. And then they brought him back another time, and they were like, we know exactly what to do with this guy now. They figured it out, and they got him going. So um, that was awesome. So, uh, all right. Uh, all right, I'm going to go with the three-time Super Bowl winner as well. Uh, might be a little bit off the board here, but Joe Andruzzi, you know, I pick here. Uh, he was made my second team uh, of uh, of best Patriots of the Belichick era at guard. Um and Andrewsy just, I mean, was was a phenomenal player. Was here from 2000 2004. Um, was an absolute. Um, was just was a great player, a great player. Um, and so you know, again, won three Super Bowls. My favorite moment of well. him, not to cut you off, was after, and I was so little then, but I watched those like documentaries. Was the game after 9 11 when his three oh, brothers God. were in the towers and he comes out with the American flag? It's just it gives me chills every time. It's so um, good. It was, I mean, it's that that moment was unbelievable, and they rallied around. You know him. I mean, you have that situation. And there was so many people like that, but like where he's just at home, like all his brothers are are firefighters in New York, and he's like doesn't know like if they're all dead, you know. And then thank God, like they all survived. But it's like unbelievable. Marf, we will not be pandering to the Patriots beat here and and picking Matt Chatham. I'm sorry. He's not even he's not even the best special teamer that can get picked. <laughs> Shout out Larry Izzo. I don't know if you guys want to pick Larry Izzo, but right. Um, so, yeah, right. my turn. Over to you, Keeks. I can't, I can't live. I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I didn't pick my guy, Larry Guy. Just ultimate Same. patriot, you know. In, in this era, the kind of late, late part of Dynasty 2.0 and into the new era, he's played such an important role. Three-time captain, he won a Super Bowl, and he was a journeyman. Like this guy didn't do anything before he got to New England, <laughs> and. uh Signed a four-year, $15 million deal. And then they just signed him again to a, a vet minimum deal after he played phenomenally. Um, you know, he's led the middle of the defense for half a decade. 69 games out of a possible 71, you know, durable, reliable. And the face of the unsung hero, you know, uh, lists that I did last year. He he was on there left and right. So yeah. Larry Guy. And then with my last pick, this is tough because we're getting to like Dynasty 1.0 in, in the middle years where no one, like all our young fans have no idea about any of these guys. <laughs> um, but I'm going to, I'm going to pick David Patton, just three time Super Bowl champion. They signed him to a vet minimum. 
What was that? Took both my damn picks, you son of a bitch. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> they signed him to a vet minimum, three-time Super Bowl champion, 18 touchdowns, six, I think six playoff touchdowns. Tom Brady's first Super Bowl touchdown pass to David Patton. Yep. Um, you know, he, he caught that one. Um, the original double pass from Troy Brown and in, in Indy. Um, right. And then I think he caught, he caught like a Hail Mary in he was like, Vegas he was like the, or Oakland. I think he was the third person, the third player in NFL history. Maybe he was the first player in NFL history to run, pass, and catch a touchdown in the same The game. second. The second. Uh, another guy who could who could be drafted was the third uh, for the Patriots. But David Patton, he's not a name that's going to like get the people going. But love it. I think out of on this list, he might be the most like unsung guy that people don't remember. But he serves such a, a big role. And Belichick said it himself when he signed for like five minutes in 2010 and then retired. Belichick said, "Without David Patton, we don't win the first Super Bowl. He, we just straight up don't do it." He won them the the divisional round in in one. You know he he caught both. I think the only touchdown the Patriots scored in that game, and then the Super Bowl touchdown. So phenomenal right. player. There you go. There you go. All right. Uh, final pick of the draft. I have already lost because there is a zero percent chance that I'm beating I get the final pick. friggin' spags. spags no, no, no chance. There's no chance. So my dad's giving me crap because I picked Revis over over Ninkovich. So I'm I'm letting him make the final final selection here. And the final selection, I actually was going to make it anyways, but the final selection is Antoine Smith. Uh, Antoine Smith's a guy who, no flash. There's almost zero flash from Antoine Smith. But if you give him 20 carries, he's getting 100 yards almost every single game. Just it just it That's what was going to happen. Um, he was a great player for them. That was, you know, those two championships are before Brady was Brady, right? And they had a running game, and that running game solely consisted of Antoine Smith. Of course, they bring in Corey Dillon into, in 04. But Antoine was massive for them, you know, in a bunch of games uh, down the stretch and, you know, really played great for them for those three years. So uh, for that reason, Antoine Smith is my final pick. I almost pulled a, a Keegan, but I remembered he got traded. I was going to say, how has LeGarrette Blunt not been picked? Oh, yeah. But yeah. He, he was traded from the box. Seventh round pick. Um, I'm going to go with – um, I'm going to go uh, back in my time. He uh, won, what, three Super Bowls here, I believe. Uh, Roman Pfeiffer. Uh, yep. Signed here in I let's think go, right before nice, the 2000 season. Um, oh one, kind of kind of under the radar from what I can remember. But he was a nail in the inside linebacker with uh, in the inside with Teddy Bruschi. Made some big plays in that Super Bowl. Won three Super Bowls here. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with Roman Pfeiffer. I think that was it. And I think Love there it. was a story, and I read it in the Dynasty book. I believe it was him where that was one of the first guys that really kind of as a free agent and outside coming in that really bought into the Patriots culture. Mm -hmm. Thanks to Willie McGinnis. He was working out with them in LA. I think they were both yep. uh, played college in that area. And he kind of said like, Hey, you know, we're building something special here. I want you to be a part of it. That was right before he had like big money from the Raiders. And I think he turned down money uh, in, a, in almost like a, the same role from Oakland at the time, who was obviously a favorite in the AFC to come to new England. Um, so I think he's one of those key guys that from the outside coming in that really helped uh, mold this culture in this sort of Patriot Patriot way and uh, was a big part in those first three Super Bowls. So Roman that, Pfeiffer is my last pick. That 0-1 class of, of free yep. agents will never be topped. Never, ever. It doesn't matter. I mean, you got you got Antoine Smith. You got uh, Ninkovich. You got Pfeiffer. You got Larry Izzo. You got um, Patton. I mean, and they were all guys that, uh, Bobby Hamilton was one of them. like 
they were yeah. all guys that people were like, yeah, I, yeah, they're fine. Like, they're fine. But like, every single one of those guys came in. As a matter of fact, Bobby Hamilton might have been 2000, but either way. But like, you know, point is that Bobby Hamilton guys, was Belichick's first free agency signing in 2000. So, they, so there you go. So 2000. So, but like, but those those are guys that were under the radar. People weren't thinking about. We're looking at like, eh, I don't think so. And they just and they all produced. Every single one of them produced. By the way, I thought about. Oh, I think I don't think Bolden. I think Bolden. Oh, he left and came back. All right, Murph. That's yeah. fine. It's, yeah, I know it's your Hulk guy. I, we get it. We get it. Uh, Devlin, Hogan, Burkhead. Those are all. Those are all good. Uh, Woodhead. Good Roosevelt Colvin, your boy Deion Rosie Lewis. Colvin. Yeah. Lewis. Dion Lewis. Dion Lewis, Junior Seau. Yep. Ted yep. Washington, Alan Branch. Um, you know, guys, guys that guys that made that made moments. Um, but or you know, yeah. Brandon Browner. Brandon Browner too, right? Yeah, Browner for that one year. Browner Browner. We for don't that talk one about year. Brandon Browner. <laughs> yeah. And for people rough, that don't rough post career. Oh, yeah. big time. Yeah. People that don't remember, he was statistically the worst cornerback in the NFL the next year for uh, for, the, yep. for the for the, uh, for, the Saints. for the Saints, yeah. So, yeah. but uh, but yeah. So you know, also yeah, the, the the Malcolm Butler interception doesn't happen without Brandon Browner just Very being true. an absolute hoss and Very making true. what was it uh, Lockett, not Tyler Lockett, but Ricardo Lockett. Yeah, Ricardo Lockett. He was the interception, and then oh, Chris Matthews. They they put they put uh, was Browner on Chris was Matthews. Okay. Yeah, because Matthews was burning Kyle Arrington. Then they put in Butler on Matthews, and then McCordy was like, "Hey, why don't you put the big guy on Matthews and let Butler cover uh, like, Jermaine oh, Curse?" That, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, it only took them. I just watched the 2014 that. America's game, so I'm like, "Yeah, that game." That's, 2014 oh, brain game is outrageous. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can run through the teams, but like Spags, just I mean, it, he's going to get like 85 yeah, percent of the vote. Spags had Gilmore, Ninkovich, yeah. Chung, and Pfeiffer. Pat had uh, Harrison, Rodney Harrison, Darrell Rivas, Joe Andrewsy, and Antoine Smith. And I had Mike Vrabel, Danny Amendola, Lawrence Guy, and David Pat. There you go. I mean, all go- I-, I think they're all solid teams. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah. really are. It's just that, you know, when you have Gilmore, Ninkovich, and friggin' uh, and Chung, like, that's just, you know. Let's go, baby. (laughs) Drinks on all of us. That's it's going to end up being like we're going to have the same record. Yeah, right. Oh, Murph with it. Yeah, we know. We know Murph Spags one. I'm blocking. I'm blocking Murph from the uh, the the podcast (laughs) account, so we can't vote. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, but I think that's it. I don't think we have we have nothing else today, right? Two weeks um, away, fellas. Almost there. Two weeks. We are like you have some content. So we're closing in. I'm very excited. I'm going to be up in Maine. I just want to. I want. I want you people Gross. to know the dedication. Okay. I want you to know the dedication. I'm going away the final week of of July, and I'm taking my podcast equipment with me, so I will be podcasting like on the road. I don't care. I'm like, all right, I, Nicole. My wife doesn't know that yet, but she will. So, but uh, you know, it's the way it goes. She'll find out the hard way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll Ask be back for in two hours. Ask for forgiveness, not permission. You know what I mean? So. But uh, that's actually terrible advice. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. You two you who do have that to girlfriends and aren't married yet. Yes, <laughs> right. Yeah, don't know. No. Terrible advice. Don't listen to me. Um, <laughs> anyways, so that's it. Thanks for coming, guys. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back next week. And like Spag said, two weeks away. We're going to do another draft this week and uh, next week. And then who knows? We'll see if those fizzle out maybe. Peace.